You know, recently I was in Denver and I noticed that, so there was about close to 80 people in the room in this workshop that I was doing. And as I looked at the makeup of the room, there was every generation in there, right? There were the boomers, there were the Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. And I noticed that within 24 hours, at the end of day one, going into day two, the level of connection that we had established as a group of 80 people, Nikos, was astonishing. I mean, it was incredible. I'd never experienced anything like it. And if I were to put my finger on what created that magic, it was... Welcome to Emergence Now, the podcast where we explore breakthroughs in self-discovery, leadership, innovation, and technology. Join hosts Deeran and Nikos. As two passionate entrepreneurs, we draw from our diverse backgrounds in business, technology, health, and spirituality. With Emergence Now, you'll get a fresh take on leveling up every aspect of your life and the principles you need to navigate an increasingly complex world. We dive deep into topics like creativity, the future of AI, biohacking, inner game, and so much more to share our insights, experiences, and the latest research on how to attain new levels of achievement, productivity, and awareness. So sit back, relax, and get ready to explore the future of humanity with us. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur, a thought leader, or simply curious about what lies within and how it impacts everything around you, Emergence Now is what you've been waiting for. Let's dive in. Welcome to Emergence Now, Nikos. Great morning. Great morning, Dieran. I'm doing very well, my friend. How are you? Very well. We're getting into the summer here in Dubai and it's starting to really heat up. Yeah, here in Chicago as well, although it's been raining and it feels more like fall. And for Chicagoans, we have this whole thing where we praise the fact that we could go through all of these brutal winters. And then there's that small sliver of summer where it's literally the best place in America and the vibe, the energy level, the festivities really go up. And we take pride in that. But yeah, unfortunately, for some reason, it's been raining and it feels like fall. It's very comforting to see you in the staple traditional black t-shirt. Is this one of those things where you try to limit the number of decisions? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. The only switch up is the baseball cap. I don't usually wear hats because I have a big round head and it draws attention to it, but I'm having a bad hair day situation for the pod. So just threw a hat on millennial style. All right. So episode six, we're getting close to double digits here. Okay. Today we're going to be talking about millennials and how to lead them with empathy. So Nikos, do you have any millennials in your life? I do. I have many millennials in my life, both in my personal life that I'm very close to, as well as those that I work with currently and those that I've worked with in the past. So I have quite a bit of experience with millennials. It turns out Jasmine is a millennial. Okay. She's at the tail end of being a millennial. She's actually at the beginning okay. of being a millennial. And my brother-in-laws are also millennials. So I have a number of millennials in my circle. So why is it important? Why are we talking about millennials today? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the subject that both got us interested was around leading millennials with empathy. So just to set the table with some context, millennials have been known as Gen Y, right? And you can refer to this generation born between the 
early 80s and the mid 90s. I think that's where Jasmine kind of falls in. But then we're kids of the 70s and 80s. We're Gen X. So there are some distinctions there. And as to my knowledge, millennials make up the substantial portion of this global population. And then the distinction there obviously is with the baby boomer generation as the largest adult generation. And globally speaking, millennials and Gen Z form about half of the world's population. They're the most racially and ethnically diverse of the adult generation than earlier generations. And I think the key here is that they are digitally native. They were the first generation to grow up with the internet. So when you and I were entering the workforce, we were already doing research papers with the web circa 1993 to 2000. But they play a very significant role in in the workforce, right? They prioritize work-life balance, flexibility, continuous learning, the advancement of opportunities. And from not only my understanding, but my experience, both in the research, and I am not a sociologist by any means, but just in working with them, they prioritize having meaning and purpose in their lives that is associated with the work they do on a day-to-day basis. So just to sum up some of the key points here that we can dive into is, one, they have very strong technological fluency because of the fact that they are digitally native. They're very much value-driven, so they're interested in finding purpose. They're very collaborative. They are educated. They really respect feedback and recognition. And that work-life balance is also very strident among millennials as well. Yeah. So from a business perspective, as I was thinking about this, it's an important topic because they make up 50% of the workforce, it turns out the global workforce as of 2020 and workforce dynamics. I mean, understanding millennials, their values, their motivations, what do they expect helps create an engaged and productive work environment, especially if they make up 50%. So it's a critical variable in the workplace dynamics. Attracting and retaining them becomes something that could be a challenge if we don't understand how they think and what they value. From a consumer perspective, consumer behavior, recognizing millennials' preferences, their buying behaviors, their expectations of brands, allows us to tailor products and services, marketing strategies, all based on our understanding of that generation. And then there's obviously the intergenerational collaboration between the Generation X and the Y and the Boomers and understanding Millennials fosters collaboration and synergy between the ages or between the age groups. So creating a more inclusive work environment is only possible if we actually truly understand what Millennials are about. Absolutely. And I would add a couple of more things to the psyche of the Millennial particularly around being digitally native, is the incidence of social media. So if we were to kind of dive into one of the digital platforms or a combination of the category of digital platforms and how they receive their news, how they communicate with each other, and the potential perspectives that social media provides for better or worse. We could look at the data on this, and I'd love to explore this in future episodes as well. When you're looking at social media, the YouTube generation, influencer culture, and how that impacts the millennial mindset in a workforce in which 
you're looking at, okay, well, I have a nine to five, but you can also be very entrepreneurial. Why don't I start a YouTube channel? Why don't I start a podcast? Why don't I become an IG influencer around fashion and beauty? All of those things are on the table because of the digital context that we're in. So I would love to look at the data a little bit more closely just in terms of how that has impacted their resilience, their work behaviors, what motivates them on a day-to-day basis and what they feel they're truly aligned to from a purpose-driven standpoint. The other point that I wanted to make is just that, is they are definitely questioning how to align their work and their life a little bit more meaningfully, such that they want to understand what a deeper purpose is. A lot of the millennials that I work with, they care about each other. They care about inclusiveness. They care about the environment and are looking out for the future. So there's this really strong sense of psyche and this sense of purpose, this mana, as we like to call it in the spiritual world, where they really just want to give back. So those are some of the really powerful traits of millennials. And what do you think the genesis is of this? Why are they more purpose-driven? Why are they more value-centric than other generations? Thank you for softballing that, but I feel like it's emergent, right? I feel like the emergence that has come to fruition is that of awareness. And they are aware of what's going on in the world. They are questioning what old legacy institutions have hinged upon society and humanity, especially in America. They're questioning a lot of these older legacy values and are wondering if they're still relevant in the world to come. And as a result of being digitally native, as a result of the internet, having more abundant information, again, good or bad, and having a lot more different sources to trust such that it's opening up this more collective mindset. And yeah, overall, they're just becoming a lot more aware. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting that as they were coming into the workforce, there were all these global changes, right? This economic instability, social progress, and they're coming in to the workforce during an age of major global events, right? There was an economic recession, there's social progress movements from LGBTQ to gender equality, the whole Me Too movement to racial injustice, like Black Lives Matter. And so from a mental health awareness perspective, from what I've understood and what I've observed from the millennials around me is that they're very aware of their mental health, like super high awareness in terms of mental health. And then there's that whole aspect of what you mentioned, which is very conscious about the environment and sustainability and the number of initiatives and campaigns that I see from millennials in my circle, I don't see from any other generation. And so all of these shifts this emergence has actually really influenced their worldview and their values. And I also noticed from people very close to me that are millennials, they really value authenticity. Like authenticity is huge for them, right? They're always asking themselves, are they being authentic? Is this person authentic? Is this brand authentic? And I think that's fascinating because when you connect that to purpose and work-life balance, it all adds up. It all connects. 
and the growth mindset, personal growth and social responsibility. So it's very consistent. The themes are very consistent across not just from a work perspective, but also from a personal impact and in their personal lives. Yeah, for sure. There's so much to say about trying to have an understanding of what is real, especially in a world where you have fake news, fake profiles, folks being catfished all day long, and the level of deceit in growing up digitally native. It's hard to understand who to trust and what direction you should take just with respect to how you can shape your life. And so on the first point, since we have such a convoluted society, and this doesn't just exist in the information world, the media world, where I kind of cut my teeth in, but also in the food industry, right? People are questioning what's in their food, where stuff comes from. And so to tie that point back to authenticity, I feel like there's kind of a variance and there's this polarity that's taking place. There's a whole generation of people that know how to make money by putting on a show on social media. They built their brand such that they can focus on the lifestyle and take photos in a private jet that remains in a hangar that they've paid a hundred bucks for and didn't really get anywhere to do it. They can show this lifestyle or how they've- Is that a thing? Oh, that's definitely a thing. Is it a thing? Oh, that's a thing. Influencers that have, they're essentially broke and they take photos as if they're living this high life. Yes, they're getting some sponsorships like here and there. And I've worked with agencies of social media influencers and also looking at the opportunities that they have. And unless you're in the top 1% of those influencers, you're not really making a ton of money, but you still need to perpetuate that kind of lifestyle. And so what the space that it's created is that level of authenticity that a lot of people often desire, right? It's like, okay, what are, tell me something that is real, because if you just give me all of this material substance, then that doesn't really mean anything to me. Connect to me on a deeper level. Hence, the growth mindset, the yearning to essentially connect on a deeper level is really resonant and personified within the psyche of this generation. Yeah, very interesting. So in terms of empathy, right, if we are to lead millennials with empathy, because it seems like if they're purpose-driven and authenticity is important to them, work-life balance is important, they need to feel that they are making an impact in their environment. If I were to summarize all of that, right, it really points me from a leadership perspective, from a management, leadership, collaboration, everything we think about from the workplace or in the context of a workplace, it all points to empathy is how I process it, right? So from that perspective, I think it's important for us to really be clear on what empathy is first before we start talking about how to lead with empathy, what is empathy, right? Because a lot of people think empathy is sympathy, for example, feeling sorry for someone or feeling someone else's pain. And I would argue you can't feel someone else's pain. It's their pain. So what is empathy to you? Absolutely. So I will kind of deconstruct this from both an intellectual standpoint and from a personal experience standpoint, the latter obviously being the more powerful. Empathy, I believe, was derived from the Greek term empatheia, which means passion, which is really the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. But it's not just about 
recognizing another person's emotions, but also responding in a way that's very appropriate to them, right? To that situation at hand. And a lot of the times people that want empathy or want to be led through empathy just want to be heard. They want the acknowledgement. And I have a good story about that in a moment. In my more personal experience, I happen to live with somebody that is a true empath. And an empath is somebody that isn't just somebody that's really good at empathizing. It's somebody that absolutely feels everything, everyone's emotions, and is very hyper aware of everybody's emotions to the degree in which they basically absorb these positive and negative emotions in a way that's healthy and in other ways not so healthy, such that it, it affects their own mental health and their own physical health as well. Like you can really burden yourself with the weight of everybody else's burdens, the more of an empath you are. So you could literally absorb all of this energy and attention has a lot to do with it. How you sublimate that psychology has a lot to do with it. And that makes it very interesting as well. So that is a very extreme case of empathy. And we could put a pin in that and talk about how that translates into leadership. But the story that I'll tell is that of acknowledgement and recognition and where I want to land the plane is on how being empathetic and leading with empathy is really acknowledgement. And there was this person who was a rock star, and I've had the pleasure of starting my own companies and working for big tech companies as well. So seeing both sides in very large organizations and small startups. And this person that was on my team in product marketing was a very astute, very much an MBA an A player through and through. She was a director and she moved on from the company, but there was a time where it was a very interesting dynamic. As you know about tech culture, especially in Silicon Valley, it's led by men and women are not nearly recognized enough in the workforce, both from an engineering perspective, a strategic perspective. It's still known that they're not paid as much as men and all of these different aspects that continue to be their challenges, which is why on Women's Day during this particular day, the culture at this particular company wasn't so great because there were probably like eight sales dudes on the call and they were just very jovial and happy. And they just didn't even acknowledge that it was Women's Day or didn't even, it wasn't even on their radar. And there were some other aspects going on in that person's life to lead her to eventually leave the company. And she sent me a text and just said, it's Women's Day. And Roe v. Wade was just overturned and a lot of different things were going on that she didn't want anything done. She didn't want a massive email sent out and say, hey, stop being such douchebags or anything like that. She just wanted the acknowledgement that was going on at a time in which there was all this contextual weight within the culture of the company combined with it being Women's Day and the irony just got to her and she just wanted acknowledgement. And the best that I could do was say, hey, I hear you. That is really messed up. Yes, I am very aware of the culture of this company. We both know and acknowledge that we can't do anything at this time, but I hear you. And it plants the seeds for acknowledgement in the future and potentially a change in culture. But it starts with that acknowledgement. And what did she say in response to your acknowledgement? Well, she quit. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a, at the time, like the micro communication was good. And she said, thank you for hearing me. 
And I really appreciate that. And she just wanted to be heard, like I said, and it wasn't a soapbox session or anything. And as a leader, you need to have those as well, right? You could pile in your one-on-ones and a lot of it turns out to be just listening to these rants with the people that that, that work for you. But she she was good with it. But unfortunately, the company itself and other factors, I didn't have full control over that outcome. And I had to let that go, even though she was a very prized individual. But yeah, unfortunately, all of these other factors kind of took over. But in the moment, it was the right communication and the right response to her. Yeah. So why is it that millennials are more purpose-driven and value-centric and more conscious and aware of the environment? And why is it that they need to feel heard and valued and supported more than any other generation. Is that a fair statement to make? I think it's fair. I think there are definitely two sides to this, and I'll explore both sides. So on one side, it ties back to what I had mentioned earlier. Millennials just have better information growing up with the internet. So they have the fortitude, they have very strong opinions, they shape their identity a lot earlier on than previous generations because of the education, because of the awareness, because of the atomization and fragmentation of information. But it's also led to some detrimental outcomes like we had mentioned. So mental health, those types of issues are on the rise. Suicide rates are on the rise, but I think that's more prevalent with Gen Z. Eating disorders and such with a correlation to social media and things like that, also prevalent more to Gen Z. But millennials, and I'd love to hear about your experience as well, is I don't want to be careful to say that I don't want to single out millennials in terms of those attributes, because going into the workforce in the early 2000s, I'm sure you felt very similar. Like, I know I'm aware enough to know that I was particularly entitled. I wouldn't say I was super sensitive. Did you feel entitled? That could be more of a personality piece, but I remember having kind of this sense that I could do a whole lot. The world is my oyster and I have a lot of options because it was the boom of Silicon Valley. Sorry, is that entitlement or is that ambition? Is that drive? Is that vision of what you want for yourself. I think there's a distinction between kind of having these higher values, your own personal North Star, versus you coming in with a mindset that says, I deserve this, I deserve this level of pay, I deserve this level of treatment, and you need to talk to me this way. And there's a way to approach that such that it's coming off more demanding, which I feel with my cohorts that are Gen Xers that are managing millennials and are sometimes frustrated with the sometimes it can be perceived as a lack of resilience and grit. It could also be as a result of the job opportunities that are available, but Some would argue that millennials have less grit, but I don't have any data to support that. This is just from other of my cohorts that have perceived millennials as having either a lack of grit or lack of resilience or a stronger sense of entitlement, which is why I wanted to say I didn't want to single out millennials for that because it could be more of a personality type. So that's one side of the spectrum. And then the other side of the spectrum, obviously, is such that 
because millennials have this information, they have this sensitivity to a sense of purpose, a work-life balance, wanting more meaning. That is a form of idealism. That is amazing. That is awesome. Like go with that, run with that. It just means that there needs to be, we were talking about earlier, what to optimize for. The optimization is just communication. If you're telling me the only thing that needs to be optimized here is the way that I talk to you, then that's totally fine. Obviously this percolates into a very extreme point of view that I feel like the U.S. is kind of coming into right now. And that's kind of this massive inclusion culture around diversity, inclusion, and that percolates into transgenderism and things like that, that have essentially been problematic because of the nature at which communication needs to be conveyed on both sides, such that it often feels forced. And we could triage that conversation because that's a whole other issue. But obviously that has detrimental effects as well, which is really to say that you need to vary your communication based on who you're talking to. And that ties into empathetic leadership as a whole. Yeah. And this segues really well into leading with empathy and some of the leaders that have been very focused on inclusion and Tim Cook being one of them. He implemented this comprehensive wellness program at Apple and it included a number of different things from health and fitness initiatives, mental health support, work-life balance programs, and it demonstrated his commitment to employee well-being and being very focused on diversity and inclusion. I mean, you'll see it in a lot of their campaigns. It's not something that a lot of companies say this is something that we're doing, but you can tell there's been a shift in the culture from Steve Jobs to Tim Cook. And that could be a testament to the different styles that they have, but it's also a change in time that they've had to adapt the culture to. And then you have Satya Nadella, who has led Microsoft. I believe this is one of the best transformations, I would say, in corporate history. To be able to transform, and we have a common friend, you and I, who works at Microsoft, right, Kingston. And I've asked him this question after I read the book, Hit Refresh by Satya. I said, is this really happening on the ground? Like this transformation, this shift toward being very collaborative, going from a very hierarchical environment to being more collaborative, encouraging employees to take risks, learn from failures. And he said, absolutely. He said, there's been a massive shift in the culture across all ranks from the top, which obviously is where it all begins. And it's trickled all the way down to the bottom of that pyramid. So this is a complete shift in the way they're leading. And he's really leading with empathy. And he emphasizes the importance of empathetic leadership. And he discusses in the book his experiences and the transformational impact that his personal life has had on his leadership style. So he talks about this in his book on how his personal journey, being a father to children with special needs, and how it's shaped his leadership style. And that comes from a very authentic place. He's not just taking an empathetic leadership approach because that's what the environment or the workforce is moving to. 
it actually comes from the core and it's very clear. And when it comes from the core, then you have this massive transformation that you see at such a, one of the largest companies in the world, right? So Microsoft went through a significant cultural shift toward a more inclusive collaborative environment. And I believe that it was all driven by his leadership approach. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, man, what's super interesting about Satya's story and how he transformed the organization is that Microsoft was once known as the most soulless organization in the world. And he went on this quest to basically rediscover Microsoft's soul. And that's all in his book. Hit. What a shift, right? Going from one end of the spectrum to being perceived as a soulless company to all the way to the other end of the spectrum where they are so driven by empathy. Great transformation. Yeah, most definitely. And to draw a finer point on the opposite. So I will push back on a finer point about what you said about Apple, because there are different leadership styles to go with here. So Tim Cook, like you had mentioned, he was more inclusive. It was a result of the contextual environment in which he was in. But Steve Jobs, as we very well know, was not an empathetic leader. He was the type of leader that really pushed the boundaries of getting stuff done at the behest of empathy. And he did this often with trading off people's happiness at work. And arguably, that did get stuff done just with respect to being able to do the impossible, to put a dent into the universe, and to really be that archetype of that visionary CEO entrepreneur that could really move mountains and put a dent into the universe. He was not an empathetic leader. However, from the perspective of outcomes, he arguably did a lot more in the era of the iPhone and the iPad and really just shaping an entire culture around technology such that he could continue to innovate in that way. Whereas Tim Cook, a little bit more slow and steady, we know that he's a more operational CEO, but didn't have that same type of leadership. But arguably, has Apple innovated in the same way prior to Tim Cook doing all of these things? Did they arguably innovate more in the Steve Jobs era? I think a lot of people would say yes. Yeah. And speaking of styles, so from a communication perspective, when we're speaking to millennials in the workplace, let's talk about some strategies around effective and empathetic communication. So when it comes to effective and empathetic communication, it's essential from my experience and what I've seen and observed, it's essential to start with listening actively. It's trite, but it's so true to actively listen in terms of not just the words that's being used, but the nonverbal cues. Because they're digitally native and a lot of the communication is nonverbal, pick up on what's not being said as much as what is being said. So as a self-development enthusiast, I've witnessed the transformation or the transformative power of truly listening to the body language. I mean, what do they say? 55% of communication is nonverbal. 30% is the tone and only 7% are the words that we use. And so that is an important point or an important approach to consider when communicating with them in a work environment or in any environment for that matter. Yeah, I'll just say 
that there are definitely some guidelines, right? So empathy to meet expectations of leadership, you touched on authenticity and transparency. So the need for clear communication, decision changes, millennials don't want to be thrown for a loop that goes with everybody really, right? You don't just, you don't want to be blindsided by any types of decisions. So you want to almost communicate things and over communicate things as they happen. Flexibility in work culture. So we didn't really touch on the work-life balance with respect to remote work, but obviously a lot of things happened during COVID and the pandemic when the whole world shut down it kind of triaged this new and set the stage for this new way of working such that a lot of people often require this work-life balance or they prefer to work 100% remote. And that's become a preference, right? Like you mentioned, feedback and recognition is huge. Understanding the subtle cues in communication that what this person says may not say as much as how they're saying it. Maybe this person isn't comfortable with communicating certain things and you just need to establish that safe space. So an empathetic leader definitely understands the importance of feedback. And then also on the opposite end, recognition is you want to pump people up. I mean, you definitely want to elevate people, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, is you want a source of inspiration. There are a lot of things to be overwhelmed and anxious about in the world today, from the macro environment to what's going on in tech, what's going on in AI, the incidence of a potential war. I mean, there's a lot to be worried about that all you can do is be still and inspire people. And at least getting into flow in that will, will really be a good thing that you could provide for people. And then the last piece I'll say there is growth and development. And then we can get into the actual practical strategies for leading with empathy. But having a good, solid growth plan, having personal milestones, career milestones, and doing constant check-ins in terms of your coaching and you above all people should really have the tools to do this as a coach and would love your insight on this is like, how do you put millennials in particular on the right kind of growth plans such that it's meeting their needs and expectations and what happens when they veer off, what happens when they over exceed, what happens when context shift and you need to adapt. Would love to get your insights on growth plans and stage development. All right. So we mentioned feedback and recognition and just having the acknowledgement to understand and better communicate to individuals that need it. Again, providing that safe space where they can be heard. And then obviously there is the path to growth and development. And so you want to implement the right kind of programs as well as the soft skills to help individuals and millennials align their purpose with their day-to-day -day jobs. So it's really about understanding the aspiration for growth and empathetic leaders are really more likely to invest in their development, offering opportunities for learning and advancement. So I'd love to punt that back to you, Darren, actually, just with respect to how some of these frameworks are being implemented in your own coaching practice with millennials, others, because a lot can be said about achieving milestones growth paths, and in particular, how do you respond when changes need to be made, when layoffs need to happen, when people often have personal issues and crises in their lives that often help them or really veer them off of the path? How do you essentially keep them on while being cognizant and being empathetic to their needs? Yeah, I mean, it's important to tailor programs specifically for the individual based on where they are. It's never a one size fits all, right? So it really depends on where the individual is on their journey. But one thing that I have seen from, again, from a generational perspective, right? If we were to look at millennials, 
continuous self-development is absolute. It's a lifelong journey for them, right? So as a coach, I've witnessed the power of their approach to self-development. They're constantly learning. They have a side hustle. They're trying to start a business. They're very entrepreneurial because they came into an environment that was very uncertain, right? I mean, started with 2008 and the financial crisis. Then we moved into a number of other challenges, geopolitical challenges. Then we had the pandemic and now we have war and being digitally native. So things are moving so fast that they're highly entrepreneurial, which is why they're constantly trying to learn things, but not just learn things from a business perspective. This whole growth mindset for millennials goes beyond the workplace. It's really all about experiences. How can I learn more about culture? How can I learn more about travel? How can I... It's all about experiences for them. It's not as much about the object, the material things that maybe previous generations were more focused on. To them, it's all about experiences. So there's a lot of learning that they invest in that goes beyond what we would typically see from previous generations. Yeah, definitely. If you look at eras, we both grew up as children in the 80s, and that was just like such an idyllic time. But if you look at the adults that were around during that time, the Reagan era was really excessive. If you look at the culture in the 80s, it was definitely a culture. There were drug wars. It was about partying. Wall Street kind of came into fruition prior to the tech boom. So again, I look at era, I look at the technology that surrounds the era, but I would agree with you in that the atomization of these types of experiences because of the digital world has caused millennials to become more aware, to become more purpose-driven, to focus on things that are more substantial from that kind of perspective. So they look at essence more than they look at what are the things that I could get out of it. So yeah, there's definitely a, a higher level of awareness when it comes to these things. So recently I was in Denver. So there was about close to 80 people in the room in this workshop that I was doing. And as I looked at the makeup of the room, there was every generation in there, right? There were the boomers, there were the Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. And I noticed that within 24 hours, at the end of day one, going into day two, the level of connection that we had established as a group of 80 people, Nikos was astonishing. I mean, it was incredible. I'd never experienced anything like it. And if I were to put my finger on what created that magic, it was the empathy that each of us communicated in certain instances, but it was that nonverbal, I'm here for you. I know what you're going through. I hear you. But not really saying it, but just transmitting it through energy, which was really powerful. And that experience reminds me of taking a very empathetic approach to leadership, right? Because developing empathy as a leader or as a leadership quality requires a very high level of self-awareness. And everyone in that room had a very high degree of self-awareness, which is what I think enabled that magic or created that magic. And I've said this in previous episodes, where it's no longer the smartest person in the room that is the leader. 
it's now the most conscious person in the room, right? The person that is the most self-aware of the environment and more importantly of themselves. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to be in those rooms. What happens there, this collective dynamic and a strong sense that we're all in this together and that type of perpetual connection is what we need to instill. I think not just within those environments, but the broader environment as a whole. And this sense of individualism that has really predominated the majority of the Western world definitely has its value in what it's created and what it's built. But again, moving toward the other side to understand that what's deeper around that kind of communication style is that what you do, what you say, and ultimately what guides your actions has an impact on the others, not just within the room, but really everywhere else. And that has much broader implications, much deeper implications for how you lead your life. Because if you feel like you are separate from the environment and you are separate from the super organism that is humanity, then you could basically live your life detached, feeling like I could pretty much do whatever I want. And this touches on some previous conversations we've had around, I could step over somebody, I could work at the behest of somebody else. There are no trade-offs because I only exist in this world on my own and by myself rather than, hey, let's collaboratively build this sense of abundance for everybody. And there's a better way to do this that's a little bit more non-zero. Yeah, non-zero. I like that. Okay. So, Nikos, what would you like our listeners to take away from this as their biggest takeaway? In terms of the biggest takeaway, I'll actually highlight a few bullets just in terms of opportunities for leading with empathy and development, more from a practical perspective, because I think this touches on a lot of what you cover in your coaching practice and a lot of what I've implemented in my own life from an emergent mindset standpoint is around that growth mindset. So leading with empathy is about the alignment of purpose and work. It's about putting programs in place that offer both a safe space while achieving tangible milestones for that person's career, such that the development plan is realistic, feasible, and is really personalized for their specific needs. It's offering a culture that focuses on soul. It focuses on more of the heart chakra aspects around abundance and love. And that just goes into being like a good positive human being. And then on more of the business side, it's really about maintaining that mentorship and coaching such that you are again, acknowledging those person's individual needs, and then also understanding that you need to be flexible. But really, it feels like the listening portion is the most important aspect. And so if I had to absolutely boil it down, it's the acknowledgement and it is the understanding of that other person's experiences. And if you can't empathize, make it known that you can't empathize as such, and really just know that's one of the limitations that you have and that there is a way to improve how to build that connection such that you can understand that person better. Yeah, when you, if it is a limitation you have, then it's important to recognize it. And I think Mark Zuckerberg recognized that at some point when he brought in Sheryl Sanders. That was, I think, a very pivotal moment in Facebook's journey because I believe, I don't know this for a fact, but I believe at some level he knew that it was not something that came naturally to him. And bringing in someone who was just 
so highly in tune empathetic that it changed and shaped the organization to a certain extent. Of course, there are challenges there. There's no doubt about that. But imagine had he not made that move. So for me, empathetic leadership is really all about engaging employees because employees are the heart and soul of any successful organization, right? By showing genuine care and concern for team members' well-being. By doing that, as leaders, we create this environment where individuals feel valued, like your friend who wanted to feel heard. She wanted to feel valued. She wanted to be recognized. They want to be appreciated and motivated to go above and beyond in their work. But I don't even think this is just exclusive to millennials. I think this cuts across all generations because we're all now living in this current environment, right? And we're all being shaped by our environment. And the second point that I would want the listeners to take away from this conversation is that empathy is not that leaders need to understand that empathy is not just a skill, but it's a strategic advantage. It's a strategic advantage for the organization to propel it to new heights by really leaning in on trust, on connection, on self-development, on having a growth mindset, and all the various ways that we spoke about. It's really now all about really being having a very high level of self-awareness and leaning into that to really foster trust and connection and elevate the collective organization. Yeah, I like how you subconsciously connected the leaning in portion with Sheryl Sandberg, who started the lean in movement. So uh, that was actually pretty cool that you did that. But I agree, landing the plane on the sense of purpose-driven growth, I think, is going to be the key piece here. And those that provide not just a culture of inclusivity and acknowledgement, and again, providing that great space to acknowledge how people are operating, how they're feeling, how they're thinking, but then also having that stronger sense of mission, I think is a good takeaway, not just for being empathetic to millennials, but that applies across generations. And I feel putting the soul back into business the way that Satya Nadella did is really the way to go, especially in today's cultural context where we have lots of tumultuous challenges. We just need to be sensitive to all of these things and we need to promote mental health and design those and, and implement those types of initiatives within HR while also providing a clear mission and that purpose-driven culture that's really going to move mountains. Beautiful. And with that, this episode is a wrap. Thank you, Nikos. This was a great and a very important conversation. I feel like we could still keep going. I mean, there's so much to unpack with this topic that we may have to revisit this in future episodes. Absolutely. We could do something very similar for our generation and then obviously for Gen Z and generations to come. There are lots of different principles that those can take away from and would get a lot of value from. It was an awesome conversation. My pleasure as always. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, we hope to have you listen to the next episode. Take care, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Emergence Now where we explore the emerging trends, technologies, and ideas that are shaping our world today for you to discover yourself. 
We hope you have enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights that you can apply in your own life. If you want to stay up to date with our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We share additional content, engage with our community, and keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening to Emergence Now, and we hope you will join us for the next episode.